This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Most of my clients are in their 70s and 80s and very energetic and very keen and, and, and they've never exercised before. That's Edna Levitt, a personal trainer who specializes in clients well into their Zoomer years. Today, she'll tell us why keeping fit is one of the most important things for your physical and mental health and why it's never too late to start being active. Plus, I'll also talk to Kevin Kwan, his debut novel, Crazy Rich Asians, about the Asian super rich is drawing comparisons to Jackie Collins, Evelyn Woe, and even Jane Austen. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a huge worry for healthcare authorities in the U.S. The rate of fatal prescription drug overdoses among women quadrupled between 1999 and 2010. Long thought of as primarily a male problem, drug addiction is increasingly affecting women, and the new study from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says that more women now die from prescription medications than from car crashes. You probably wouldn't recognize his name, but you likely use his invention every day. Doug Engelbart, the man who invented the computer mouse, passed away this week at the age of 88. Engelbart first got the idea for a device to move around an on-screen cursor in the mid-1960s. After successful demonstrations at computer fairs, he patented the first mouse in 1970. At the time, it was a wooden shell covering two metal wheels. It brings a whole new meaning to respecting your elders. A new law came into force in China this week stipulating that adult children must visit their parents or face fines or jail time. The so-called elderly rights law deals with the growing problem of lonely elderly people in China. According to the BBC, it says that adults should care about their parents' spiritual needs and never neglect or snub elderly people. But the report says the law has been ridiculed by thousands who are questioning how it could be enforced. Guitar icon Les Paul could soon be honored with a U.S. stamp. The Les Paul Foundation has received approval from the United States Post Office for a stamp honoring his 100th birthday on June 9, 2015. Les Paul, the father of the electric guitar, passed away at the age of 94 in 2009. Now the foundation needs at least 50,000 people to sign a petition to make the stamp final. You can join in the effort at lespaulfoundation.org spotlight. It's also interesting to note that Les Paul was a regular listener of the new AM740. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's one of the best ways to ensure that Zoomers remain independent, able to travel, and perform everyday tasks. Staying fit is the key, and the right fitness regime changes as we age. 
Edna Levitt became a certified personal trainer at the age of 65. That was about nine years ago. Her clients are now also over 70. Not only does she have a lot of experience on how to get in shape at that age, she's a poster child for it. Take my word, Edna looks a good 20 years younger. The over 50 thing was six months after my 50th birthday. My son called me from McGill and he said, Mother, you're middle-aged now and it's about time you started exercising. I must tell you, my knee-jerk reaction was to tell him to look after his body and I'd look after mine. But notwithstanding that, I did. I took his advice and I joined my local gym. And I have been going to my local gym every weekday morning ever since for 23 years. And it made such a huge difference to how I felt about myself, how I looked, how I felt, uh, how much more energetic I was, that um, I eventually decided that I would become a personal trainer for older adults. So okay. that's really how it was born. I have to say, you look unbelievable, if Thanks, that's your Libby. true age. <laughs> Find it hard to believe. And tell me about your clients. What about 50-plus clients? Well, I, uh, I, have, I have no clients in their 50s. They're, they're, it seems that they're too young. Um, I have one client in her early 60s, and the rest of them, to my amazement, are over 70, over 80, and I have two clients of over 90. It, it just seems to me, it's quite interest, been interesting to me that uh, most of my clients are in their 70s and 80s and very energetic and very keen and, and, and they've never exercised before. Really? They've never yeah. exercised before? It's yeah. not that they're just trying again after no, a hiatus? No, very often it's their older children. Many of my, my clients now, they're older children, children who are, who are maybe 60 or 55 or 60, will contact me and say, you know, I'd really like my mom or my dad, or my dad's told me he'd like to start exercising. Can you help? And what are the obstacles? The physical obstacles are a lot of them have got problems with joints, knees and hips. And that can be an obstacle. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, You know, they can't kneel or many of them can't, they can go down on the floor to maybe do some abdominal crunches, but they can't get up again. So that, I've had to overcome that physical problem. Is once a week enough? No. Absolutely not, you know, but I I can't force people and I can't stand over them. But I know that many of them don't. What I am finding with my over 70s and over 80s is that I go twice a week for half an hour. Really, an hour is a bit much for them. It's it's too strenuous. But half an hour is just, you know, is, is a decent length of time. And what I do in the half hour, and I had a lady this morning, is I'll just concentrate on one lower body muscle group and one upper. And then I'll fatigue. What we have to do is we have to fatigue the muscles. So if we work for 10 minutes on biceps, you're going to feel it. And that's really what you want to do. And is, is part of what you do adjusting to the injuries? Yes, I, I always say to my clients, if it hurts, don't do it. You know, and I feel the same myself. You know, I, I don't think that older, older adults it really should... I don't know whether I should stick my neck out and say this, but people who are just starting should not attempt to take weights that are far too heavy for them. They should do everything gradually, starting off with three or four pound weights, advancing to five, advancing to seven. But I would say to anybody, just take it slowly. Don't don't rush with heavy weights and, and, and don't feel that you have to show off. It's, it's, it's not necessary. And mm. You build strength slowly. When you look at people of the same age, 
and you see somebody who works out and somebody who does not work out, it is a huge difference. And the way the difference in the way they look is amazing. Do people at this age come to you out of vanity too because they want to look better? Of course they do, particularly women. Of course they do. One study was done in a geriatric care center in the States with, with people of over 90 in excess of 90 years. And they put a, a control group where they did nothing, and the other group, they did vigorous strength training three times a week. Their muscle strength and endurance increased by 100% in the, the group they exercised. Uh, so, I mean, that's it, it's really, really... It, this, is, this is what I say to people when they say, it's too late. I say it's never too late. Never. And, and, and the other thing is that the studies also show, and I think it's great for us women, that women who strength train have a greater sense of self-esteem and a greater sense of self-confidence. Well, there's nothing wrong with that in my book. Mm-hmm. If that's all the exercise ever did for you, it would be enough. Okay. I think so. Wonderful. Edna Lovett, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Climate-controlled closets that record every outfit you wear. A woman who flies all her saris back to India for cleaning. These are just a few of the outrageous privileges of the super-rich in Kevin Kwan's novel, Crazy Rich Asians. In just a moment, we'll hear a conversation I had with Kevin about his debut novel. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. It's being touted as the read of the summer, and I have to say I couldn't put it down at the cottage last weekend. Crazy Rich Asians is the saga of three generations of three super-rich Chinese families from Singapore. It centers around the scheming and backbiting that occur when one of the sons brings home an American-Chinese girlfriend. I chatted with New York-based author Kevin Kwan at the Shangri-La Hotel when he was in town recently. I really wanted to tell a story, sort of, you know, a Jane Austen Trollope-esque story about a family. I really wanted to set this lovely sort of family saga in Asia because I feel that there's been so much attention in the past few years on Asian wealth, on new, mo- on new money coming out of China. And growing up in Singapore, I'd always known about this other world of hidden wealth that had existed for generations, of people with taste, people with a lot of style. And I, I thought it was time to share that with the world. You know, there's always been people like this, living very private lives, having a fabulous life, but also life full of challenges and complexities. Now your title, Crazy Rich Asians, a little politically incorrect. Do you think so? <laughs> you know, I, I really, it's, it's really, I was finding a word to try to describe the amount of wealth that's being generated out of Asia now. Is it great wealth? Is it filthy rich? I think it's crazy rich because it's, it's the, the, the numbers, the amount of money being made. There's no other way to describe it. So for me, it's very much about the rich and really not about Asians in any way. Did you uh, grow up with that kind of wealth? Certainly not. <laughs> so how are... I was exposed to it quite a bit. I, you know, I, I was an intimate observer of this world. I went to school with these people. Um, but I, I came from an old Singapore family that would, would really kind of turn their noses up at the new money crowd. Uh, what do you think of this class of crazy rich? 
you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by this new generation of movers and shakers coming out of Asia. And I think they will have a profound impact on global culture because they are the ones now that are commissioning the artists. They are the ones that are keeping a lot of artisans and designers and, and brands alive from other parts of the world. And they're really sort of the economic engine at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled by all the new art that's coming out of China and other parts of Southeast Asia, and I really hope it continues. You know, I think we're just really at the beginning of this new renaissance of Asian culture being introduced more and more to the West. This is a multi-generational book? Yeah, and I, I was just saying, I, I, I've really always seen this book as a multi-generational book because it's a story of generations, the story of grandparents and parents and children and all the complexity of relationships and, and sort of the comedy that ensues when generations clash, when cultures clash. Well, it's interesting that in your culture, in Asian culture, it's normal for the generations to live together, but that's starting to happen more and more. And expected. <laughs> and expected, but it's yeah. happening more and more in the outside culture as, as a, a necessity. You have adult children moving in with parents and on and on. I, you know, I think it's a great thing, especially when it comes to raising children. I think it really takes a village. And, you know, I grew up in a, in a house with, with aunts and uncles and grandparents, and I think they all played a role in helping to shape who I am today. Crazy me. <laughs> but um, so it's, it's interesting to see the parallels from Asia that are sort of affecting the rest of the world. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Crazy Rich Asians is published by Doubleday Canada. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. It's Ringo Starr's birthday, and in just a moment, we'll celebrate with music by the Beatles. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. It's time now for your International Art State Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, buyer and seller is the story of a young man who works in the basement of Barbara Streisand's Malibu home. TV actor Michael Urie stars in this comedy by Jonathan Tolins. Michael is someone who really knows how to do my stuff, and I love working with him so much. And he's this rare breed of an actor who is a star and has charisma and star quality and leading man good looks, but is also incredibly funny and has absolutely no limitations technically. Buyer and Seller is on stage at Manhattan's Barrow Street Theater. In the Windy City, see a theater version of Disney's Jungle Book. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. The story of a young boy raised among the animals in the jungle is playing at Chicago's Goodman Theater. To London, England, where art lovers can explore the musical pastimes of 17th century Netherlands. Vermeer and music, the art of love and leisure, is at the National Gallery. And down under, an exhibition called Creating Worlds explores the response of artists to issues such as landscape sustainability and the natural environment. It's at the National Gallery of Australia in Canberra. That's the International Arts Datebook. I'm Jane Brown. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. 
Today, Ringo Starr is celebrating his 73rd birthday. Ringo was the oldest Beatle, but also the last to join the group. He met the Beatles in October 1960 when his band, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, performed alongside the Beatles in Hamburg. Starr sat in with the Beatles on multiple occasions, but it wasn't until August 1962 that he officially became the drummer of the Fab Four, replacing Pete Best. During his days with the group, one of Ringo's unique talents was coming up with odd quips and phrases that became the inspiration for many Beatles songs. Quips like, it was a hard day's night, tomorrow never knows, and eight days a week. That was The Beatles with Eight Days a Week. Ringo Starr is celebrating his 73rd birthday today. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Come back next week to hear about a big step forward in treating a very lethal disease. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Knight. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandria. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.